Welcome to our podcast for Generations in Family Business, Past, Present, and Future. Our hosts for this podcast are myself, Tim Schuster, and I'm a senior manager in the Center for Family Business Excellence. And along, as always, our good friend. Hey, Tim. It's uh, <laughs> Matt Kersner. I'm a director in the Center for Family Business Excellence. Thanks. Matt, let me tell you right now, it's a pleasure as always, my good sir. Always, always, <laughs> always, Tim. So we're taking our listeners through the process that we do here in the Center for Family Business Excellence about succession planning. So, Matt, if you wouldn't mind, let's tee this off by reminding our listeners what the six steps are. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Tim. So the first step, Tim, is the transition to exit strategy, mm-hmm. which we just did a podcast recently yep, on yep, that absolutely. one. Absolutely. The second step is governance. The third step is growth and evaluation, the value enhancement. The fourth one is execution and accountability. The fifth one is leadership development. And the final one is the actual succession transition. We got there. Right, the end the game. The actual end game. The end game. <laughs> So let's start by jumping into governance and family systems. So Matt, what do you typically do when we got through the first phase? You know, we talked about transition and exit strategies. How does governance and family systems look? Yeah, great question, Tim. It's really important that when we're working with family businesses or tightly held businesses, when they're going through a succession planning process, is really looking at the planning Mm -hmm. and putting and making, putting is not the right word, but making sure that the family needs and the business needs are balanced, Yes. right? Owners need to balance both those needs. The key is finding the right balance. What does your family want in this? You know, do they want to be actively involved? Is someone in the family going to actually come in and run, be at the helm? Mm-hmm. Or is this going to be the first time you're having a non-family member sitting at the, the helm of the business? Right. So you really have to really put together some governance for the family and ownership to make sure that the values, the mission, the goals are what the family wants. Yes, that makes complete sense. So is there any other steps that they go through? You know, I'm thinking of estate planning, so on and so forth, kind of like, what does what, what that kind of look yeah, like? Yeah, another great question. In the, the family governance and family systems, there are a bunch of things that the family and the owners can do to kind of get ready. Yeah, right, exactly. So the first one is, I already mentioned, aligning the business and family interests, right? Yep. What's important for the family? What's important for the owners? What's important for the actual business to mm-hmm. run? And who are the right key people? Yep. After that, it gets into estate planning. Do you have documents in order? Who gets the business and who gets the estate, right? Let's say, for example, you have four siblings. Two of them are in the business running it and two are, you know, owners but are not involved. Yep. Or maybe they're not involved at all. Maybe they don't even have ownership. Mm -hmm. But let's say, for example, I'm the first generation and I'm going to now pass this on to my children and I'm going to go through the succession planning process. My question that I'm thinking about as an owner might be, who's getting the business? Yeah, exactly. And then am I going to equal or not be so equal who's going to get my estate? And how do I try to equalize this out amongst my family? Correct. So really getting your estate plan in order, getting your documents together, making sure that you're dotting I's, you're crossing your T's, and your wishes are known. And that could be a prickly area, per se, for families, just because they do have to kind of weigh out these options. And I think a common theme when we discuss this with people is the earlier, the better. Yeah. So, And this is also something, too, that's fluid in nature, right? Yeah. I mean, this is something that maybe a decision was made 10 years ago and all of a sudden may not hold true now. You know, that's great that you just said that. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's a great segue to the next thing re- regarding governance and family systems is are your agreements up to date, mm-hmm. right? When was the last time you looked at them? Could be mm-hmm. 10 years ago, like you just said. So when I say, are the agreements up to date, you know, for example, if one's going to buy out a sibling, 
how does that operate? What right. does it look like? So who? how do you make tough decisions? So is your operating agreement or your... Could be buy-sell. There could you be go. anything, the buy, right? You, I mean, you. yeah, so of course. The, so the buy-sell agreement is very important. So it's really important to make sure your documents are in order. Yeah. You have a will. Yeah. I mean, it's simple stuff. don't have wills. You have life insurance <laughs> policies yeah. in place. So it's really making sure all your agreements are up to date. Another one that I like to think about is when, let's say... A father and mother own the business and they're transitioning it to their children, two or three children. Do they have, I call it the psychological contract or what we call the sibling code of conduct. How do the next generation make decisions? Mm-hmm. How do they debate and resolve conflict? How do they, you know, behind closed doors really work out the minutia, but when they open up the doors, they're one voice. Mm-hmm. So making sure your agreements and psychological contracts are up to date are very, very critical. Fantastic. The next one is when a transition happens and it goes to a non-family member, one of the things that we help families do is actually develop a family council. Mm -hmm. So they actually could still be involved in the business, still, you know, put some processes together on how to make decisions as a family and really developing that format and governance. So they are injecting the family values mm-hmm. into the business, even though they're not actively involved anymore. Makes sense. I mean, it's their baby, right? So it's kind of how to make sure that the voice is still there, however they need to be done for, at least to make sure that the business is, yes, this was my business at one point, but I understand the reams have gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another one, Tim, is when the succession planning process happens and you're putting some governance together, it might be, do you need to bring in either a fiduciary board or an advisory board to help, right? Mm-hmm. If you're transitioning to this to the next generation or to a non-family member, it's really important that there's a sounding board that can hold that CEO accountable. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between a fiduciary board and an advisory board, and we can get into that at a later yeah, date. Yeah, of course, absolutely. But, you know, it's really important that uh, a family-owned business really thinks about bringing in some external and internal folks, family members, to be part of this advisory board to, to help navigate the next phase. And then the last one is policies and procedures for the family. You know, how, or not how, but when a family member wants to enter the business, how do they enter the business? If they're not performing in the business, how do you address them? Mm-hmm. So putting together some governance and family systems actually can help the outgoing CEO or owner feel comfortable transitioning the business, knowing that there's either ground rules or policies and procedures that the family follows. Mm -hmm. And this is where a family council can get very exciting because they actually develop that constitution and policies. And I can see that being actually a lot of fun for a family to go through that process and just kind of memorialize it, you know, that's huge. So Matt, you know, this has been phenomenal information, but you know, let's kind of tee up the listeners for the next in our series, you know, let's call it growth value and enhancements. Let's tee that up a little bit. So, you know, when it cuts into growth and value enhancement, we're going to talk about in our next podcast, what does the business need to look like in five to 10 years, Mm -hmm. right? What's that strategic roadmap? How are you growing the business, right? How are you doing things better, faster with quality, that operation efficiency? And then the last one is, do you have your bench strength? Who's ready now? Who's ready in three years? Who's ready in five years? So when we get into that podcast, we're really going to hunker down and that's going to be 
linked to the podcast that we did for the Strategic Roadmap. Well, I'm looking forward to discussing that with you. That's going to be a fun one. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for coming here today, as always. You're very welcome, Tim. (laughs) And thank you for listening to Generations in Family Business, Past, Present, and Future, as part of the Eisner Amper podcast series. If you have any questions or there's a topic you'd like us to cover, email us at contact at eisneramper.com. Visit eisneramper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. We look forward to having you listen in on our next Eisner Amper podcast.